hello and welcome back to No Books on a Dead Planet, the podcast where we read climate books so you don't have to. This week we have a little mini-sode for you in between our big episodes where I bring on a guest and we chat together about a book. I like to keep you up to date with the silly little ecological books I have been reading and today we are talking about Foul Eulogies by Lucy Rico. Now I must preface everything I'm about to say uh, by reading out the funniest Goodreads review I've seen in a very long time and it pertained to this book in particular. If you are planning on cooking a chicken dinner anytime soon, do it now before you read Foul Eulogies. I'm going to have to say the same for this podcast. It is going to be very chicken heavy and I just I just wanted you to know that before we begin. Uh, now, if you haven't heard of uh, Foul Eulogies, I'll tell you a little bit about it. It's translated from French by Dara Chinishiva. We always try and say the translator's names on this podcast. They really pull their weight and they rarely get the recognition. So thank you to them. And here is the synopsis that we're playing with. <clears throat> Foul Eulogies is an absurd fairy tale for the ethical carnivore, fiction of perfect madness, of brutal and unprecedented humour. From the meadows to the supermarket, this dazzling first novel of mischief and feathers brings to life the singular poetry of the industrial chicken. Upon her mother's death, Paul Rojas, a vegetarian city dweller, returns to the chicken farm where she grew up. Pressured to fulfil her mother's last request, Paul rediscovers pleasure and meaning in running the old family business. Yet, eager to bring something of herself to a family tradition, Paul embarks on increasing intricate ways of helping the chickens to self-actualise before their deaths. She records the chickens' life stories, adding them to the labels that decorate the vacuum-packed meat sent off to market. An individual biography for every chicken. But not all runs smooth in her childhood village and Paul finds that she has few friends and many enemies. She is forced to spread her wings, relocate her livestock and oversee the construction of an urban farm of never before seen practices and proportions. Now, I would just like to give a quick physical (laughs) review of this book in that it was a mess. It, It was one of the first books that I've bought in a very, very long time that fell apart in my hands. So if you see my copy in person, uh, you won't be able to tell what it is from the spine because it's just full of gaffer tape. I had to gaffer tape this book into oblivion to keep it together. But petty physical reviews aside, I have to say that I enjoyed this book immensely. It was definitely way darker than I was expecting. It has a very, very funny, lighthearted tone at the beginning. Um, but what you really need to know going into this is that you're, if you have expectations of cottagecore vibes, they will be dashed pretty steadily. I'd say it is unsettling in the way convenience store woman is unsettling. If you read that or my year of re- rest and relaxation, or maybe, maybe even, is it too far to say as unsettling as Lolita? Oh my god, is this the Lolita of chickens? Potentially. It's full of unreliable narrators and the dark inside dwellings of one character as she descends into something resembling a woman in meltdown. And I must read for you two of my favourite eulogies from the book. Uh, The book features loads and loads of eulogies and one of the clever literary devices in the book is that the eulogies kind of descend into darkness as we go on. But I just wanted to give you a feel for the way this book is written and just a little bit of hilarity on the way these eulogies uh, are, are penned by the woman who is, let's remember, about to kill them. 
Theodore hailed from open fields. Though unfettered, independent and mischievous by nature, Theodore suffered from a disability, a blind eye which he overcame with his nonchalant and classy manner. Theodore enjoyed walking in circles while pecking grass, but never in the same direction as his companions, as well as running in his own fashion, as if he were dancing. He enjoyed a special relationship with his farmer. It was a bond of intense friendship that only death was able to break. Here's a eulogy for Debut. Debut, born on the first day of September, was known to all for his generosity. He loved to eat, to sleep and to walk. Simple pastimes for a simple heart. His asymmetric toupee lent him an air of wisdom. Eternally surrounded by others, leader of his gang, he will be forever missed. And finally, my favourite, I think, Galu. Galu found himself at the bottom of the chicken hierarchy. He was last to eat and last to go to bed and was expected to respect the position he had been assigned. His genetic inheritance had decided his lot in life still. Although he gave the appearance of submitting to the system, he always managed to carve out pockets of freedom. Today, all send their love up to him in the clouds. Now, I find these incredibly funny, and part of me thinks that I should, because she's a funny writer, and it's a funny way to present a very, very dark subject. But it also made me think about some facts that I uh, vaguely knew about chickens, so I thought I'd give them a little check on the internet and fact check them. And there's a few scientific websites that, that have confirmed this, so I'm going to go with the fact that the, the, these aren't 100% real, they are at least close to being true. And I know that it might make us feel uncomfortable to talk about chickens being clever, but I have to tell you, they frickin' seem like it. Research shows that chickens experience REM, which is rapid eye movement, while sleeping, just like we do. So it means that they can dream just like we do. They can recognise up to a hundred faces. They have an awareness of time and territories and preferences and special bonds with other chickens. They live in groups that have an inbuilt hierarchy in them, a literal pecking order. And kind of unrelated, but I just need you to know that they are, in fact, the closest living relatives to the Tyrannosaurus Rex. So without that, I don't know, I don't know how else to garner respect for them, apart from being like, they're literally the cousin of Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, give, lay some respect on the chickens, for goodness sake. Now, I'm stuck somewhere in a pipe at the moment, in the pipeline from meat eater to vegan. And in my journey along that squeezing pipe, I've had to think a lot about how I think about autonomy and what categorizes being as sentient is it having their own tastes is it really intelligence because that's kind of ableist and when i unpack that from a human context i think no actually i don't agree that if something is intelligent it deserves not to die but it definitely gave me a lot to think about and this book really helped along the way because our main character really bonds with the chickens. She is, the whole way through the book, a vegetarian and she refuses to eat them. She has this huge capacity to imagine in a world for each of the chickens and she spends most of her time observing how different they are from each other. It's definitely a very clever scene where she has to plastic wrap the chickens that she's killed and then stick the eulogies to them and stand at the market while people come and ask awkward questions and, and they're either kind of grossed out or intrigued and in the end it, it seems that actually having these eulogies stuck to the chickens ups their value. People are more excited to buy the chickens and the darkness of that. As her business becomes more successful and she does start doing things in a different way, it makes the other competitive farmers feel 
like even though she's somebody that has grown up with them since childhood that she thinks she's better than them that she's playing a joke on their vocation that she's not staying in line and they organize a horrible massacre for a lot of the chickens which is pretty graphic it leads paul to giving into some pretty sketchy business propositions around expanding the business and moving it out of the countryside um and it really spoke to me about somebody who is trying to be compassionate uh, but not willing to reckon with her own cruelty, which is kind of part of that structure. She kind of accepts that she does have to keep killing chickens in order to keep the family business running. And it's unimaginable for her to shut down the family business. She's in the middle of a grieving process. Her mum's just died. So in the act of trying to be compassionate within that, she actually ends up becoming more cruel. It's about the impossibility of earning money and not being cruel in some way or being complicit in that cruelty. And the kind of urge we all have for power over weaker things and under what circumstances we let that kick in. We see Paul start to really enjoy killing the chickens as much as getting to know them and it becoming almost private and ritualistic in the way that she does it. And it makes you as the reader feel like, wow, she's really sick. This is gross. This is wrong. And then it obviously makes you reflect on all the other ways we kill chickens and which one is more fucked up, which one is worse. Is there a right way to kill a chicken? And there's a really clever part that I have to read out to you in the book where she gets swept up by this businessman, basically, who decides to try and scale up her small business where she kills chickens and writes eulogies for them by hiring a team of writers, buying more chickens and making it more of a thing. They start to be stocked and in high demand in big supermarkets in the nearest city. And she also gets written about a lot in the press because these chickens get sold out straight away. They're in huge demand. This is the part where she's reading one of the articles. The article is from page six of a national newspaper and it is as long as five biographies. It is accompanied by a photograph of chickens stacked in a pyramid. Paul knows she shouldn't read it, but her eyes devour the words anyway. The article talks of fake authenticity, of a new hip generation of battery hens, of a brand now trending because of its ability to satisfy the growing ambitions of the upper middle classes by creating a new cultural norm that pretends to be marginal or heterodox, when in fact the creation of an affectionate connection to what we eat has only the veneer of originality and binds the consumer closer to the supermarket than to the chicken. The chicken who, more than ever, remains a victim of the system. Paul, without a word, returns to her office. We get a glimpse of this reckoning as well in a marketing meeting where they're discussing what to call um, the kind of bigger, better um, Paul's business 2.0. And they say, we had a brainstorming session and we came up with lots of ideas such as from farm to city and hens handpicked for you. Personally, I quite liked Paul's poultry. There is a smattering of keyboard clatter. Paul takes a minute to process this. She thinks, they want to use my name as I have used the chickens' names. She suddenly imagines a bill hook slitting her throat and Ferdinand writing her biography. This book could just be a dark humour book, but I think it would also be a really interesting read if you're in a book club where you want to talk a little bit more about ecology and our relationship to meat and our relationship to evil and, and the kind of the evil in all of us. I think it's a really creeping sneak up on you 
look at the politics of automation whilst also just being something that's like really readable really gripping it's definitely on the thematic side of literary but on a page-to-page level it's really really easy to understand and really really gripping i think it'd be a great companion to one of ed winter's books about veganism or maybe we are the weather if you've read a kind of heavy non-fiction book and you want to keep thinking about those themes but you also want to read a really good story And yeah, overall, even though it shook me to my core, it was one of those books that when you finish it, you're like, I don't know if I like that or not. I'm kind of upset. In retrospect, I I was like, no, I I really loved the way it was written and it was a very, very good book. But you know, when something affects you so much that you kind of resent it because you're like, that was so dark. So anyway, if that inspires you to read it, go for it. If it doesn't, that's also totally fine. I hope you got something out of the stuff that I read out and the themes that I'm talking about. I would love to hear your thoughts on chickens in general, the intelligence of animals. And I'm on Instagram at Lena Norms. If you enjoyed this podcast, spread it around like peanut butter. If you'd like to support the making of it, you can become a member of the Gumption Club, which is at patreon.com slash the gumption club where you can tip me for these podcasts or you can buy a positive panic patch at leananorms.com slash shop keep up the positive panic and i'll speak to you soon